Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We're a spiritual and spirited congregation dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning. We're very glad you're here. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there is a spark of the divine in everyone. And it is in the spirit of that heritage that I say, let us greet the divine in our midst by turning to the people to our right and left and welcoming them here this morning. Please say with me the words by which we light the chalice, which is the symbol of our faith. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love and to help one another. The meditation reading is from the book by Anne Lamott, Bird by Bird, Some Instructions on Writing and Life. Perfection is the voice of the oppressor, the enemy of the people. It will keep you cramped and insane your whole life. I think perfectionism is based on the obsessive belief that if you run carefully enough, hitting each stepping stone just right, you won't have to die. (laughs) The truth is that you will die anyway, and that's a lot of people who aren't even looking at their feet are going to do a whole lot better than you and have a lot more fun while they're doing it. We've come to the time in our service when we enter into silence together for prayer and meditation, where we speak or listen to God as we understand God, or listen to our inner wisdom, or just watch our breath as it comes in and out of our bodies. However you enter into the stillness, you bring all of yourself there. Some of our lives are very... Noisy, and some are very quiet. Some are cluttered, some are lonely. Some are delighted, and some are in despair. We bring all of that with us into the silence. Remembering that in this congregation, the sounds of life and noises from small babies count as part of the silence.
I think it's natural to want to present yourself in the best possible light. You want people to see your life as successful and colorful and full of stability and joy and um, love and appreciation. And nobody sends out holiday letters, you know, that say, my business is struggling and my kids are struggling in school and my partner and I are fighting a lot and the dog keeps making messes behind the couch. It's driving me crazy. Everybody puts the best parts in the Christmas letters and um, there's a website, a social media platform that's the worst about this, and it's called Instagram. (laughs) Now, I'm on Instagram because it's the way I get to see my kids and their kids. So I enjoy watching little snippets of my son's band playing, and I enjoy snippets of my grandchildren and um, beautiful pictures of their Christmas activities. I, I love all that. But Instagram is, um, it's, you choose people to follow. So it's like choosing the people whose windows you're going to peek into on your walk past their house. And they have agreed for you to peek into their windows. And they have, they have beautiful scenes from their life that you can see as you peek into the windows of their lives. And um, Instagram has filters that make your photographs look glowier or old-fashioned if you're going for uh, more character. Or they'll make, they'll have filters that saturate all the colors. So um, you look at those and you go, gosh, their, their life just looks more real than mine. My colors aren't that saturated. I, I don't go to that many parties. I, my living room, it doesn't look anything like that. And my food, I mean, mm. I don't cook stuff that looks like that. And anyway, uh, then you have the influencers on Instagram Facebook doesn't really have influencers because everybody is just kind of boring on Facebook. Um, I mean, you just know we are all the same and we are living a similar life. I mean, you might play poker and you might be going to graduate school, but we all, you know, we we eat food that looks like this and uh, we find things that we think are funny and we put up quotations that are meaningful for us. Or I found a poem, I'll share it with you. Um, Instagram is, uh, is um, different in that there are these people who, who are young and gorgeous and uh, they have enough followers so that products pay them to be featured on their Instagram feed. And so the one Instagram post that's getting some attention right now is uh, there's this woman who's 20-something and beautiful and slender, and um, she's sitting on this bed that's made up in snowy 
linens, and she has a plate of pancakes on the bed, untouched, of course, because that woman does not eat pancakes. (laughs) Hard to tell by looking, but I think odds are good she doesn't eat pancakes. Anyway, they have little strawberries on them, and she has a cup of tea like this, and it says, a bottomless cup of tea and strawberry pancakes. What better way to start the morning? But what puts it over the top is the bottle of Listerine that's on her uh, (laughs) bedside table. They paid her to do that. I mean, your Listerine's in the bathroom, right? (laughs) But hers, no. Hers is framed in the shot with the strawberry pancakes. And, um, And she has eight helium balloons that are pink and heart shaped attached to the pillows. So there's all this gloriousness surrounded by pink balloons that are shiny and it's too much. <laughs> Some people are making pretty snarky comments. Like, yeah, that's the way my bed looks and that's the way I eat breakfast every morning. I think it's important to know that people stage these kinds of things. I, I worry that there are folks who would look at that and think it wasn't staged, that this is just how she lives, even if she lives in, like, L.A. And... Social media is great because it connects you and it helps you see each other and it helps you. It's like reading the hometown newspaper, only you know everybody who's in there and all the stories. But something about Instagram, you go on there and you start, uh, unless you keep in mind that these things are mostly staged, um, you start feeling like your life is messy and uh, not quite enough. Mental health experts are pointing to Instagram as the worst social network platform for your mental health, for your um, sense of yourself. YouTube is the worst for your sleep. But Instagram's the worst for your sense of yourself. Because, my God, I mean, there are, there are children on there who, who play the guitar better than you ever will. And... And there are sisters who sing together and look like they love each other and hang out all the time. And you just start comparing your insides to their outsides. And you feel kind of like your, your life is a little bit too real. Nobody on there looks like they're hurting. Uh, nobody on there looks like they're fighting. Nobody on there looks like they don't understand everything. They look like they have it all figured out. And you know it's staged, but some of it is even more than staged. Some of it, beloveds, is fake. <laughs> There's a website called lifefake.com, and they have packages of things you can purchase to put up on Instagram as if it were your life. You can buy a package called, Look at My Beautiful Vacation and Cry. 
they have packages of brunch food and packages of uh, beautiful parties with beautiful people. Fake, 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 and expensive. And it's a special kind of insanity, you know, to want to present your life, but present a fake life that's not even you. Why? I mean, surely at some point, you're going to climb the stairs of your mother's basement and go out into the real world. (laughs) And people are going to, you know, meet you. So I can see presenting yourself in the best possible light, but really, there's a limit. And I think what I want to say is we can get bitten by the perfectionism bug all by ourselves without Instagram. We had it before Instagram. We'll have it after. Nobody needs that mess in order to feel like your life is less than. And we have ideas about how things are supposed to look about how we're supposed to look, about how our children are supposed to behave, Uh, especially if we don't have children. We have great ideas about how children are supposed to behave. (laughs) Um, In our uh, Unitarian Universalist culture, we don't so much, uh, most of us, feel like we have to have perfect houses or perfect clothes, but we do feel like we have to um, know the books everybody's reading. And it feels like shame when someone says, and this is a lie almost all the time, these are the books on my bedside table. (laughs) I'm reading about the lives of the presidents, and then I'm reading about... uh, Oh, other things which I haven't read about because I read detective stories. Um, (laughs) Like everybody else in my family, my grandfather, my aunt, my father, it's a family tradition. Um, Anyway, somebody quotes something from uh, Joyce Carol Oates or Doris Kearns Goodwin, and we don't know it. We can feel a little bit like our perfectionism has been tweaked. Like, I didn't read Doris Kearns Goodwin's latest one. Sorry. The biggest thing that gives us a sense of lack of perfection, or by us, I mean me, is uh, not being perfect at recycling. (laughs) I know. Like right now, I feel sinful drinking out of a, wa- a bottle of water. I know, it's not perfect. When we first moved to Austin, which has this marvelous single stream recycling, we had a friend come over who'd lived here for quite a while, and she just, instead of visiting, she went through our trash. <laughs> this could be recycled, you know. You could recycle this, you know, just melt, whoops, (laughs) melt the wax, which wasn't wax, and put it in the recycling. Now my hands are covered with blue sand. It's not perfect. I'm going to go on. So you feel, I mean, there are myriad ways to feel bad about yourself, even in um, in our culture here. I, was, I had a good role model in my mother. Uh, she grew up in India, 
or in what is now Pakistan, but it was India then. And she, um, she did not have a perfectionist bone in her body. She didn't mind making mistakes. She thought it was cute, which then we all did too. And, you know, she grew up playing with uh, cow dung, and her mother was horrified. But she was, lived in a little village, and so, they, you know, you slap it up against the wall, and it bakes, and then it becomes dry, and the kids play like Frisbees. And her mother was all like, oh, Catherine, don't do that. But... And every morning she would um, wake up at 5 and pray for an hour because my sister and I needed it. And then she would practice her violin for an hour from 6 to 7. And she was terrible. And so she would do these Hannon exercises. Those of you who have taken music lessons know what it sounded like. Uh, with a violin player who doesn't sound good. So it's, I woke up every morning to this. But it brought her joy. And she played in the way back of the Mainline Symphony Orchestra, the neighborhood orchestra. And she had fun. And she proved that if it gives you joy, a thing worth doing is worth doing badly. Some people hate making mistakes so much. Our culture teaches that if you make mistakes, then you are a mistake. There's a very strong strain of perfectionism in, in the dominant culture here. And making mistakes is just like a matter of life and death. You'd rather not make one. And some people are so afraid of making mistakes that they become procrastinators. And I don't know if you know procrastination is rooted in perfectionism because people go, well, if I wait long enough and do this thing all in a whirlwind, high on adrenaline, with not enough time, then it'll get done. And if it's not perfect, I've got a reason, because if I had spent more time on it, it would have been perfect. I wish there were a balancing website for Instagram um, that was called something like My Pretty Good Life or something. Um, maybe it's coming or maybe it's there and I just don't know about it. I know about this other website where perfection is um, on display. Uh, it's called Pinterest. And people uh, post photographs of beautiful gardens that they would like to build or beautiful clothes they would like to make or beautiful cakes that they're going to make or lovely parties that have perfect presents and decorations and gorgeous, just gorgeous whatever you want to look up, you can look up on Pinterest. Doorways, wedding rings, stone walls, they're all there and they're all perfect. But there is a companion site called Pinterest Fail, <laughs> which is very heartening because the people on there you post what the Pinterest photo of the cake was, or the little uh, cute little ghost cupcakes look like, and then you post how yours turned out. <laughs> and like I said, you want to have dinner with the person who made that spraddled-looking one instead of the one who made the perfect one. 
It's okay if your beautiful fire-breathing dragon on the top of the cake is listing to one side and sliding off. (laughs) Just call it the drunken dragon cake. (laughs) It's all in the name. So most of us don't long for a perfect life with strawberry pancakes and pink heart-shaped balloons, but our perfectionism comes in feeling ashamed that we're not... um, perfect activists, constant social justice warriors, or that we're not open-hearted, loving people, or that we're not completely patient folks, or that we're not amazing family people, or that we're not um, scintillating conversationalists. We have a lot of pain and shame. There's a lot of pain in the world, and we don't know how to fix it. We'd like to, and we feel less than because it's too big a job for us to take on. Even together, we know it's going to last. The struggle is going to last forever. It can be disheartening. The perfectionism gets in the way of even moving forward because perfectionism is cunning and baffling and powerful, and it's waiting behind every corner to get you, to get its claws into you. And you can be an amazing social justice warrior, an amazing family person, a real good conversationalist, and you can still feel bad. And one of the ways that we fight this culture is by thanking other people and noticing what went well in an interaction rather than what went badly. And when we make mistakes, not if, but when we make mistakes... We fight that perfectionism culture by taking time to reflect and even be curious about our mistakes and learn and think, what did I not know that I thought I knew? What did I not know that I didn't know that I didn't know? How can I forgive myself and move on? on? I'm not a perfect person loving being of light. I'm not a perfect social justice warrior. I'm not perfect at recycling. I'm going to forgive myself and move on. I'm not ever going to lose my resilience and crumple myself up and throw myself away. Because if a thing brings us joy, it's worth doing, even if we're doing it badly. And this is a hard time for a lot of people this season. And there's a lot of pain in the world. There's pain in the war zones and there's pain on our border. And we're outraged and we're confused and we have ideas about how it could be done better. But we don't have the power. We try to figure out how to get the power. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. But Mary sings in the Magnificat that we heard today. Mary sings this song. My soul rejoices in God. God has reached out with the strength of his arm. God has has confused the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. God has brought down the powerful from their throne. 
not confused the proud. Scattered the proud is a better interpretation of that word. God has scattered the proud in the imaginations of their hearts, and God has brought down the powerful from their thrones, and God has lifted up the lowly. And so you hear from Mary's song, these are God's favorite people. The lowly, the humble, the hungry, the thirsty. You say, oh, God loves everybody the same. Mm -mm, No, no. The God of this season, the God that Christianity uh, preaches, not the God of churchianity, because that's different, but the God that actual Christianity preaches is a God whose favorites are the poor and the lowly and the those without homes and those who are hurting and those who are suffering. And God's favorite parts of you, or if you don't believe in a God, you can say the divine mystery's favorite parts to play in you or the light's best places to show up in you are the hungry places, the thirsty places, the cracked open places. If you hear Mary's song about the proud being scattered in the imagination of their hearts and the powerful being pulled off their throne and you think, yes, that's what I want to see, you're aligned correctly. If you think, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. You've got some work to do on your life. The poet Leonard Cohen said, The cracks are where the light comes in. The cracks in you are where the spirit moves. Love those cracks in yourself. Try to love them in others. In this terrible and gorgeous world that we live in. And I think it's glad we're living here. Will you say with me the words by which we extinguish our chalice? We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. Please sing with me if you care to. Remember the way of the wind and breathe and blow. Remember the way of the fire and sparkle and glitter and glow. Remember the way of the water and ebb and flow. Remember the way of the earth and grow. Go in peace, but not yet. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.